Hello, you beautiful soul. Welcome to the Beauty and the Biohacker podcast. I'm your co-host, Rachel Varga, the beauty side of Beauty and the Biohacker. If you would like to pick my brain as to all the wonderful ways that we can optimize your skin and rejuvenation journey, book your one-on-one with me. If you would like to work with Katie to optimize your sleep and biohacking journey, book a one-on-one with Katie. You can learn more about booking with us in the show notes of this episode or head on over to beautyandthebiohacker.com and you can find our one-on-one booking links there. Be sure to use promo code BB15 for 15% off of your one-on-one session with Katie or I. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Biohacker, where we explore the latest tools and trends in self-care, aesthetics, peak performance, and more to help you live your most beautiful life from the inside out. I'm your co-host, Katie Moore, a self-proclaimed biohacker with three years of self-experimenting in the space of health and wellness technology, and I'm on a mission to help people achieve success without sacrificing their health or happiness through my YouTube channel, Katie Type A. And I am the beauty side of Beauty and the Biohacker. Welcome. My name is Rachel Varga, board-certified aesthetic nurse specialist since 2011. I love helping people look and feel their best. So I bring all of the beauty mind, body mind, spirit beauty, energy side of things. I love geeking out on the latest technologies to help us become our most radiant versions of ourselves. And we are so thrilled to have Kara joining us today. Yes, today we welcome our very special guest, Kara Collier from the company NutriSense. So Kara is a registered dietitian nutritionist and a certified nutrition support clinician, and she specializes in glucose control and metabolism. She's the director of nutrition at NutriSense, which is a company that specializes in blood glucose monitoring and providing coaching support to help users understand their unique responses to the food and lifestyle changes that they experience. So today we are going to unpack everything you need to know about CGMs, how they work, the data you get, and explain why every biohacker and their mom is wearing one these days. So welcome to the show, Kara. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Rachel and Katie. Excited to be here. So why don't we kick things off for anybody that doesn't know, talk to us, what is a CGM, a continuous blood glucose monitor, and how does it work? Yeah, so a CGM, what she said, continuous glucose monitor, is exactly what it sounds like. So it's this small device, it's a little disc, and it goes on the back of your tricep area. So it's really, really easy to apply, as I'm sure Katie can attest to. I like to describe it as an easy button. You can do it at home, it comes in this little applicator device, and you just push the button, and it's in. And then you have this nice little device on the back of your arm for two full weeks. You can work out with it, shower with it, do all your normal activities. And with just a quick swipe of your phone over the device, you can check your latest glucose values since the last eight hours. So the device holds up to eight hours of data. So as long as you're scanning it at least once every eight hours, 
you get 24 seven data coming from your body, which is really unique and amazing. There are very few things where you can see at 24 seven look in real time of what's happening on the inside. Besides, you know, simple metrics like heart rate and heart rate variability, we haven't really been able to monitor anything like this 24 seven. So it's an awesome device. It's technically considered a medical device in America. And so it does require a medical prescription, unfortunately. Um, so unfortunately, that means a lot of people are not getting this information. And as we're going to dive into, we strongly believe that everybody should have access to this information about themselves in order to be the best version of themselves. So that's really what we're trying to do is make it accessible and attainable for everyone and not just diabetics or insulin dependent diabetics where it's typically used. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely seeing who would be considered very healthy, forward thinking individuals wearing these CGMs. So they're really not just for people that are really starting to initially see some symptoms arise from an instability of their glucose levels. Kara, I'm curious, why did you personally get involved in understanding glucose metabolism? Did you have a family health scare in your history or with yourself personally? Yeah, my interest came in just my early career of working in hospitals. So I'm a registered dietitian, as you guys mentioned, and I started my career working in ICUs across several different hospitals. And with that experience, uh, it was very frustrating because what you're seeing every day, people coming in, is all this suffering and time and expense taking care of people. And it's almost always related to these chronic lifestyle-related conditions. So it's complications of diabetes. It's complications of cardiovascular disease, of chronic kidney disease, dementia, all of these conditions that can be linked back to insulin resistance and diet and lifestyle. And so that's where my interest started, was just seeing the suffering every day in the hospitals and feeling like I couldn't really do anything about it because you're catching people so late down the road. So you're seeing, you know, 40 years after they've developed these issues and now they're in in serious pain and suffering. And that's too late. That's not the best time to catch these problems. So my interest became then focusing on how can I address the root cause of this? And then all my research pointed to insulin resistance and glucose metabolism. And CGM is that perfect combination of technology addressing the real root causes. So that's where my interest began. Kara, we both have a background in ICU. I used to be a peds ICU nurse, a trach vent nurse for two years, working with sick kids. But, you know, this is actually a great option for everybody to start to monitor what they're doing. And I just, I really applaud you for creating a medical device like this because that is no small feat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what it's like then, where it's really sad and frustrating of how things go currently. And you want to make a real difference when you get into healthcare. You're there because you care about people and you want to help them. And it's hard when you feel like you're not making the difference you want to make. So sometimes you have to leave the existing system to find a way to make an impact in a different regard. Absolutely. And I know you alluded to this earlier when you were talking about how a CGM works, that there, you know, for right now, it's prescription based. You have to meet certain criteria. Usually it's type 2 diabetics or prediabetes. 
I've been wearing a Nutrisense CGM and people are like, do you have diabetes? And so there is this sort of stigma attached to it. And I'm just curious, you know, why would you encourage people to want to wear one if they don't have any symptoms of diabetes? Yeah, and there's many reasons, but I would say the biggest one is preventative health. Um, it's much, much easier to fix yellow flags before they become red flags and chronic conditions. So a lot of our current measures to get a snapshot of your health fall short. So things like a fasting glucose or hemoglobin A1C, it's only giving us a really small snapshot into what's going on. And when we can get a more holistic view of what's happening inside of you through this continuous glucose data, we get a better idea of where something might be a little off, you know, that early warning sign of a problem, then we can correct that really quickly. And you are now not on that, you know, feedback loop leading towards insulin resistance. So, and you know, there's research on this that 88% of the population has some sort of metabolic dysfunction. So if you're not feeling symptoms of diabetes, or maybe you don't have an overt diagnosis of diabetes or cardiovascular disease, there's still quite likely a chance that you might be showing some early signs of insulin resistance or have some sort of metabolic dysfunction. So that's a large chunk of the population that's at risk, and we want to make sure they're getting a good holistic view of their metabolic health early on. So the number one reason I would encourage everyone, even if you're healthy, you feel good, is to make sure you actually are in a good place and see if there's any you know, Achilles heel going on, if there's any red flag areas you need to spend more time working on. So the biggest thing is, is preventative health. And, you know, there's all these other benefits like energy. Glucose is our primary energy source. So if you're someone that struggles with fluctuating energy levels, energy crashes, then that could be something where monitoring your glucose can make a huge impact. And also anything like inflammation, like all of these things are related to glucose as a metric. Definitely. So it goes way beyond diabetes. I love the idea of looking for the yellow flags, we recently had Naveen Jain on, who is the founder of Viome. And I did his at-home gut health microbiome test. And there were a lot of yellow flags that popped up. And I was like, I'm a relatively healthy individual. If I were to go to my physician, he'd ask how my health is in regards to my gut health. I would say, yeah, no problem. But because I did this sophisticated at-home test, probably one considered one of the most advanced at-home test kits available today that's actually quite affordable, I was able to identify those yellow flags for me in my mid-30s. And now I'm going to get my mom to do it because she has a lot of symptoms happening. And I just think this is fantastic for us to be able to use these technologies to find the yellow flags, take care of them so that they don't actually create symptoms in our body. So Kara, why do you think someone might wear the, you know, in the biohacking community, start to wear the CGM. And why do you think the biohacking community has latched onto CGMs so much? I see everybody wearing them. It's because we all want to look like robots. (laughs) (laughs) It's the future, baby. That's part of it for sure. You know, I I have a few hypotheses, I guess, but I, I think 
the primary thing is the biohacker community already understands the importance of glucose as a metric. They already understand that you need to be monitoring these things in order to be your best version of yourself. They already understand the importance of being preventative versus reactive. So I think the biohacker community gets that really easily without having to be taught that or for without it being a mainstream message. And then when CGMs came along, it's a much better alternative to pricking your finger with a glucometer all day. So they're already interested in glucose and they're, you know, doing blood droplets, they're checking it at random times. And a CGM is just a huge convenience over that. So you're able to, for two weeks, not have to prick your finger and just have this on the back of your arm and you don't even notice it's there. And so the amount of insights you can gain in two weeks from this continuous data would take you know, 100 blood drops probably from a glucometer, you can just speed up that learning curve and the amount of information you can gain in a shorter amount of time in comparison to the traditional metrics we've been using to monitor glucose at home. And let's unpack that a little bit because I am hashtag obsessed with the Nutrisense CGM. I I was like, I'm only going to wear one for two weeks. And then I ended up um, ordering them for about two months worth because I was just like, Every time I used using them, I was just fascinated by all this data. The one thing that I that stood out to me the most and that I really appreciated was the food diary entry because it actually shows your peaks and valleys from when you eat the food to, you know, po- two hours post meal. So I'd love for you to kind of maybe talk through what that food diary component entails and uh, and why it's designed that way. Yeah, so within the app, you are able to log your meals. So you could do this in a very simple way, which might just be, you know, snapping a picture or just logging a brief description that's like, you know, standard breakfast if you eat the same thing. Or you can take it the next level and also track your calories and your macros. Not everybody wants to be tracking those things, so we make it optional where you can do either. But if you've logged any sort of information about a meal, you're going to get this glucose mini graph associated with your meal. So this is a two hour snapshot of what's happening after that meal. So it tells you what your glucose was before you started eating in that two hour period. How high did it get? And then also metrics like area under the curve. So that's measuring what that glucose response looks like after you've eaten. Is it tall and short? Is it long and wide? You know, how much time did you spend at a certain threshold after, you know, you ate a meal? And it also tells you your delta. So that's the change between your lowest and highest glucose values. Because there's all of these metrics we want to take into account when we're assessing how we're responding to meals. It's not just as simple as how high did my glucose go. We want to look at that as well, of course, because that's also an independent metric of health outcomes. But we also want to see how long did your glucose stay above you know, a fasting range. And we want to see how big of a shift in glucose did you have. Maybe it stayed below the threshold we're looking for, but you had a big jump in glucose. And so that would be a large delta. And that has independent risk factors as well, because that's considered high glycemic variability, which is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So it, it contains all these metrics per meal. And then you can sort it by, you know, your highest deltas or your highest AUCs. And you can see really easily, oh, these top five meals are the ones that are always giving me a big jump in glucose. And you can more easily identify patterns and what's going on. 
And my next question for you, Kara, is around AI. And there, there's a lot of these test kits that are basically they're taking our, our data and analytics, and it's giving us a program for us to follow based on pretty sophisticated AI. So talk about why NutriSense decided to include a personalized nutritionist into the program structure and not just, say, give you a, a say, printout or, or PDF or a program to follow. Why adding this personal approach? Yeah, and I might be biased because I helped design and start the company and I'm a dietitian, so I definitely found a value of having a human touch. But what we quickly came to realize is that just like our body is complex in general, glucose is very complex. It's not always as straightforward as I ate a carbohydrate and my glucose jumped up. You know, there's many different factors and influencers that could be involved. And so we have this trained specialist who's able to help you interpret these things. And it's just much more effective from the customer and client standpoint if they can have somebody who can be a signal through the noise is what we help describe the use of the dietitian. You know, sometimes wearables and all the data can become just a lot of noise if you don't know what to do about it. You know, it's like I've collected all this glucose data about myself, but I have no action points from it. We don't want that to happen. We want everyone to actually have meaningful impacts from this data and not just be buying the product to gather more data. So we want people to make meaningful differences in their health. So we think it's really important that there's an expert there to actually be able to point out trends, answer questions, suggest changes in order to reach those goals. Because your body can be confusing. Nutrition is definitely confusing. And so having a real person there just never can replace AI. It's, it's never going to be the same. And so having somebody there is, is very important to us. And then how do you plan to scale with the nutrition program? Because, you know, CGMs are kind of becoming the hot button topic in the biohacking sphere, along with, you know, so many other populations who are really kind of cluing in on the importance of monitoring your blood glucose. So what are your next steps with NutriSense to kind of figure out how to still keep that human touch around even when you guys grow exponentially? Yeah, absolutely. And we do always want the human aspect involved. So we'll continue to be able to add more, you know, AI and machine learning and automatic integrations where it becomes easier and easier to interpret the data without a human being there. But we always want you to have access to a dietitian or person if you want to. So maybe, you know, as the software becomes more and more advanced, you have the option of adding on, you know, a one hour video call with a dietitian to go through questions. And it's just like an add on one off package as opposed to a, a one on one dietitian being assigned to every person like it is now. And that will be much more scalable, but you'll always have access to that because it's very important to us and it's part of our core values of our company. I think that's fantastic to make sure that you are getting that personal connection. So I'm pretty fortunate. I know a lot of the founders of these wonderful test kits and devices, and and I get that. I get what you're saying because I'm able to actually connect with them and say, hey, can you give me a personalized readout? of my data here. And I learn better that way. So I really appreciate what you're offering. So how does NutriSense handle the prescription process since most CGMs require a prescription? And what is the current availability internationally? 
Yeah, and we do take care of the prescription for everybody. So we use a third-party physician authorization company um, so that we're writing these prescriptions for the customers coming on. And basically, we want it to feel as seamless and easy for the customer as possible. So they don't even have to worry about that process. We're taking care of all the legwork for them. Um, And right now, we are only shipping CGMs to the U.S. and Canada But for international customers who are able to obtain a CGM on their own, because it's easier to obtain in Europe and Australia and other countries, you can just get them over the counter there and you don't need a prescription. So for people abroad, we have lots of customers in Europe who just get their own CGM and then use our software and our dietitians. Um, Because the standard software that comes with these CGM devices is very much geared towards diabetics. It's pretty much telling you, your glucose value, and maybe a spot, you know, to put in medications and insulin dosing. And that's about it. You know, it's it's not trying to do additional, you know, analytics and information beyond that. So a lot of people are buying these devices and then using our software. That makes a lot of sense. And that's actually great because I have a couple of friends in London who saw my recent CGM video and they're like, I need to get my hands on one. So that's fantastic to know for all you London and UK listeners out there. So Kara, I know that you have personally talked to a lot of people, especially in the biohacking community. We're talking Paul Saladino, Simland. So can you, you know, in your experience with the company, cite any really memorable examples of people who have kind of made some drastic life changes using the CGM data from NutriSense? Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many examples. And that's why this has been such a meaningful company and job for me to be a part of in comparison to what I was doing before. If you actually see these results instantaneously and you see all these success stories. Um, of course, we have a lot of people who have improved their glucose values, but we also have several clients I can think of that had pretty severe hypoglycemia. And that's something that if you don't have diabetes and you're saying, you know, I think I might be getting low blood sugar, these people get brushed off as, oh, you know, maybe you need to sleep more or it's an energy thing. And nobody's taking them seriously in the traditional medical system. So they come to us and they are having serious hypoglycemia. So maybe it's while they're sleeping, maybe it's after a meal. Um, And I can think of somebody recently that this was preventing them to be able to work out. They used to be an athlete just because of these energy crashes with hypoglycemia. And, you know, with the real data and being able to make tweaks specific to what they respond best to, tweaking macros, meal timing, we were able to completely eliminate those hypoglycemic events and now they're sleeping better and they're able to get back to the gym. And so that's just one example of somebody that was pushed away and we were able to actually help them. And that's extremely, you know, meaningful to be able to see. And then we have a lot of people, you know, reversing prediabetes or early signs of insulin resistance, losing a lot of weight. For many people, the biggest benefit is the accountability from both the data and the dietitian of just when you have that real-time feedback, it's much more meaningful to stick to a certain habit than it might've been before. You're much more likely to go on that evening walk every day. You're much more likely to stick to your dietary goals because you have that instant feedback. So for many people, they're able to reach their goals just just from the data coming at them every day. So 
Kara, what are some of the biggest surprises you've seen in people's glucose data? And I do want to talk about skin and how glycation actually presents itself on the skin, but let's talk about some of the surprises you've seen. Yeah. And I would say, you know, one of the biggest surprises I saw was gender differences, which might be, you know, interesting to the audience listening here of just men and women are not the same people at the end of the day. And we have a lot of differences. And that certainly comes through in the glucose data. You know, one example of that is very simple, you know, just monthly menstrual cycles that has an effect on your glucose values. And I don't think that's something that's mainstream message or very well known by people. So most often it's during that luteal phase that your glucose tends to rise a little bit and especially leading up to the period. And for some people, you know, on the actual day of their period is their highest glucose values. And so this is something where some women see this quite dramatically where glucose is 10 to 20 points higher on average during, you know, a week of their cycle. And you're able to compensate if you know that information, you know, you can pull on that diet lever a little bit harder if you know your body's just naturally not as carbohydrate tolerant during that time. So gender differences is a big one. Um, Another was just some universal truths that pop up. There's a lot of things that are very variable. You know, we all respond to different carbohydrates differently. We're all unique people at the end of the day. But then there's those things that everybody experiences that are really interesting. And one of those is just later night meals. Um, We do not tolerate food as well later at night than if we do during the day. And this is just across the board. Everyone experiences this effect. So really the emphasis on that earlier time restricted eating window is something we're talking about a lot because it makes a huge impact on people's glucose values. So that's something everybody is experiencing. But then what's interesting is how much variance there is between foods. So for example, you know, in our dietitian team, we're all similar and similar weight, athletic level, um, age, but we have totally different responses to carbohydrates, whole food carbohydrates. So I respond really well to bananas, but a different dietitian on my team, that's her highest glucose spike in the fruit category. Whereas I don't tolerate like starchy vegetables, like sweet potatoes at all. I have a huge glucose spike, no matter what I do, where other people, you know, that's their go-to carbohydrate because they have very minimal glucose response. So the amount of variance that doesn't really match up with the glycemic index is really interesting and something that wasn't really apparent in the data before we started doing this. Kara, what are you seeing in the skin of individuals whose glucose isn't being monitored or stabilized appropriately. I know for myself as a board-certified aesthetic nurse specialist, I see sort of more like roughness and texture. It almost makes the, the skin almost takes on this like very large pore, almost like square type patchy segments to it. It's really interesting. And I see this in diabetic clients that I work with. And there are these, you know, glycation end products that can deposit on the skin. And actually, sugar has been shown to accelerate breakdown of things like collagen and elastin and precipitate aging. We know this in the body and the impact that instability of our glucose can have with longevity. But in your clinical experience as a nutritionist and with your team, what are you noticing with the impacts on the skin with people who start to really take 
take charge and monitor their glucose levels? Are you seeing any changes that they're reporting? Yeah, and that's a great point in that if you have high glucose levels, it affects all areas of your body because it's traveling in the blood and the blood is touching everything. So oftentimes when people have high glucose levels, the first thing that's affected are these small blood vessels. So, you know, blurry vision in your eyes, you know, pain in your feet and extremities, and then also skin, skin changes because again, you know, these are smaller blood vessels. And what you're talking about with the advanced glycation end products, you know, it's kind of ironic that the acronym is AGE because it does make you look like you've aged, right? If you have these high glucose levels. And essentially how we describe AGEs is that they're these end products where they're caramelizing the proteins. So we have too much sugar in our bloodstream and things get caramelized, which can damage, you know, the cellular function of our DNA repair and structural integrity of proteins. And so just like you said, this can break down things like collagen and our skin integrity. So I certainly see that with the more advanced high glucose levels, you know, maybe not mild high glucose levels in a non-diabetic, but we do see people who, you know, have pretty elevated levels and it needs some work to be done. And you can certainly see that effect at that stage. So what changes do you notice occur in the skin that's a benefit to keeping an eye on your glucose levels? Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't have the benefit of being in person with people. You know, this is all remote monitoring, so I don't get as great of an insight of to visually, you know, how people's skin are changing. Sure, I'll but, speak to it then. Yeah. I definitely see more glassiness once uh, I say I've done the journey of working with someone clinically for about five years and they are a diabetic and then they start to take charge of their health and get their their glucose monitoring under control and then they start to see me for treatments, I do start to see more of a glassiness effect to the skin, a smoothness. And that change from that very like reticular structure to the skin with large pores and just like this dullness and flatness to the skin to a little bit of optimization of radiance. I mean, that's what this really all is about is how can we become our most beautiful, vibrant, radiant version of ourselves? And skin is our largest organ and is actually going to you know, really reflect that. Another thought I had when you were talking is when we have a lot of sugar in our 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 vascular system, it can actually erode at the epithelial lining of the cells. So just like our gut, if our gut integrity isn't great, you're going to have things leak out. Or if your epithelial blood vessel wall lining isn't, you know, of the same integrity and your body is going towards healing that epithelial layer of your blood vessels, that could be going to other things in your body, right? So this is really important. And so we're talking, we're making that connection of what changes to the tissues actually happen, and then also on the sort of molecular signaling level. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And a lot of people don't realize that high glucose levels and high glycemic variability, which is a lot of swings in your glucose, that is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease because it's damaging to those endothelial tissues like you described. So there's actually a lot of research that even if you have you know, sustained high glucose levels, like you're always sitting at like 200 versus someone who's swinging from 70 to 200, that person who's swinging is going to have 
worse outcomes and more damage to the endothelial cells and more oxidative stress created because they have poor glucose control, even compared to the person who just has high levels all the time. And so this is really interesting of how it impact, impacts you know, the vascular system at a cellular level. That is fascinating stuff. And uh, I kind of want to just bring our attention back to the product for a second as we talk about, you know, you have two weeks to kind of do your trial and it's a great opportunity to do a lot of self-experimentation. I myself have brought the CGM into the sauna and ice bath and all these crazy things. So just curious, Cara, Cara, after, you know, working with so many clients now, are, you know, what have you noticed about some of these biohacks? And I guess what would be kind of the craziest biohacks that you've seen since uh, people have started using CGMs? Yeah, just the nature of um, our audience. And a lot of people are into a lot of different technologies. We've probably seen all the different things that people are trying, you know, every device and biohack you can think of. But I think when it comes down to it, the ones that really impact glucose values and work are the ones that are more simple. So you touched on like cold and heat therapy. Those are two big ones that can make a really meaningful difference. So with cold therapy, that will drop your glucose levels. And what's happening is it's typically activating that brown fat that we have, which has a lot of mitochondria in it. And when brown fat is activated, its goal is to heat you up because you're cold. And so it's burning through glucose to use as energy, and that tends to drop our glucose levels. Whereas a sauna and heat therapy might give you a glucose spike in the moment because it's kind of like working out, it's strenuous but you'll see lower glucose values the rest of the day because you did a little bit of a workout essentially. So both of those work really, really well. Um, Another simple biohack would just be like vinegar, apple cider vinegar before meals can significantly lower your glucose response to a meal. So that's something a lot of people are playing around with that actually works. Um, Other things, you know, anything that reduces stress. So Aura ring, you know, HRV training, deep breathing, all of those things are going to have an impact on your glucose values. Same with sleep hacks. You know, anything that improves your sleep is going to help your glucose values. So again, I do want to talk about sleep with you, actually. So my hubby's a pro athlete. He can probably hear me right now. Sorry, Gabe. He's a six-time pro world champion kickboxer, and he has huge nutritional needs because he's training two, three times a day. And so he's always hungry before bed. In fact, sometimes he'll even have to wake up in the middle of the night and eat more. And we just mentioned how bad it is to have a large meal before going to bed and the effect on our sleep. So what have you noticed about sleep and glucose metabolism? So what type of tricks would you give to someone like my husband who has these, you know, high caloric needs and can't go to bed hungry? Yeah. And that's a tough one. And we definitely have athletes who are in that situation where just, you know, you have, you can't be eating just two large meals a day. You have such higher needs that you need to eat more often, but just in in basic terms, the relationship between sleep and glucose, that's a bi-directional relationship. So both poor sleep can affect our glucose levels the next day. And then if we're going to bed with higher glucose levels, because we just ate, or maybe, you know, for other reasons, we're going to have poor sleep also. So starting with the one direction, um, poor sleep affecting glucose levels, because that's often what we're seeing. 
And so essentially poor sleep, whether that's sleep fragmentation, like you're not really getting into deep sleep or sleep insufficiency where it's just not long enough. Um, that is essentially a chronic stressor on our body, which then reduces insulin sensitivity at the cellular level. And it's also increasing our glucose output from the liver. And so unfortunately, this equals to higher glucose levels and then worse responses to meals. And so for many people, um, we can see them get into an insulin resistant state similar to that of a diabetic after a poor night of sleep. And so when that happens, hopefully it's an acute problem. You know, you had to stay up for whatever reason, something happened. We can fix that with, you know, correcting back to good sleep. But when it comes to chronic sleep deprivation, you get into this cycle of disrupted circadian rhythm. You know, you're impairing this time when sleep is our time to restore and repair at a cellular level. When we're doing that on a chronic, unfortunately, you know, chronic basis, like new moms, new parents, or maybe just the person who's working a lot, um, that's when we start to see issues where somebody might be having glucose levels similar to that of a pre-diabetic diabetic, and it's only because of the sleep. And so with that, we have to get at the root cause, you know, what's hindering your sleep and just good sleep hygiene, you know, the basics is where you have to start always of do you actually have a, you know, a sleep routine? Do you have good sleep hygiene? So going through all of those things to make sure something's okay. But then the reverse, which might be affecting your husband, is if you're going to bed with higher glucose levels, that impairs our ability to get into that deep sleep because it impairs our nervous system. And so for that, you know, if you can't get away from having a meal later in the evening, definitely making that later night meal, low carbohydrate as possible to at least minimize that effect. And if you can front load calories as much as possible, so maybe 90% of your calories are at least that like four hours before bed. And then maybe you have just like a protein meal before bed. If you're trying to get a little bit more calories, make sure you're not going to bed feeling hungry. That can at least help mitigate that effect a little bit. Because we also have people who, you know, they're working shift works or, you know, they're doing all types of things and they just can't get around the fact that they're not going to eat late at night. So we want to at least have that as your lower carbohydrate meal. That is actually a fascinating point that you brought up about shift workers. And that is something that I am always kind of asked questions by my audience about, you know, how do you set a proper sleep schedule and it's so difficult to fall asleep. And so that could be an interesting case study in the future for NutriSense to kind of look at glucose metabolism for shift workers. So just uh, put a pin in that idea for, for right now, but it's definitely something that I know a lot of people could potentially value from um, learning their data with NutriSense for, for if they work in shift work. Now let's uh, jump to the price. And right now, you know, there are very few companies doing what you do at NutriSense. And so the cost for a device to do a two-week trial with NutriSense is $175. So it might be a lot for people right now. I personally think that the data that you get is invaluable and would recommend everyone look into budgeting this out so you can at least get two weeks of data. But is NutriSense looking to offer a more affordable option in the future? And what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our goal is to make this as affordable as possible so as many people can get this as possible. Right now, the devices themselves are just very expensive, unfortunately. It's a newer technology, you know, maybe 10 years old, and it used to be 10 times as expensive as it is today. 
So our hope is, you know, it's just going to keep getting more affordable. And then also as our software improves and we get more AI involved, then you can have that optional dietitian, which of course will also make it cheaper for everyone. And, you know, I agree it may be a little bit expensive, but that two weeks you can gain so much information about yourself that then you can utilize without the data moving forward. You know, you can put into practice those things you learned. And for those who know maybe they have something more they need to work on, like you're pre-diabetic or you have a lot of weight to lose or you're having serious hypoglycemia, we have monthly plans and they are a little bit cheaper. So if you sign up for something like a six-month plan, you get two CGMs a month and it's $1.99 a month with the dietitian support and everything. So the longer you commit, the cheaper it is per month. Um, and so that's a good option if you know it's going to take you a little bit longer to maybe get where you want to be. And you can also have like look into an FSA option, right, to help cover yeah. some of the costs. Yes, yeah. So insurance does not cover this unless you know you have diabetes, but we are accepted to have HSA and FSA accounts cover this. So almost all of them cover it. They just need to have you know nutrition coverage in it, which it's turned out to be almost everybody is able to get it covered. So that's an option as well for people. I think it's amazing that these test kits and devices are being made more affordable than ever. One of the feedback that my dear mother gave me was, Rachel, you're talking about all these test kits. They cost a lot of money. Well, let's just equate, let's talk about, you know, budgeting and all that. If you were to take a day off of work to go to see your physician, that would cost you more than purchasing this device and tracking your own you know, glucose levels over a two week period. So if you can take care of your body before you start to get sick, it will actually save you quite a bit of money in the long term. What do you think about that kind of cost benefit analogy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's hard for people to grasp the cost of like preventative versus like reactive healthcare. Because you're like, why am I paying for something I don't need? But if you end up, you know, getting diabetes, that can be quite expensive. Fulfilling medications, seeing doctors, getting labs, that's much, much more expensive, trust me. And so there's a big payoff if you can prevent that, even if you might be doing an upfront cost that doesn't seem like it's necessary, it does, it's definitely cheaper than actually having a chronic condition. Kara, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show here today. And let's wrap things up here with having you share with us, Kara, about the future of the NutriSense platform and what we can expect in the next year or so. Yeah, absolutely. So we're always working on improving the user experience. So we want to add more metrics that help you interpret the data and get a snapshot of what's going on. But we also want to add in additional metabolic markers. So it's not just glucose, but it's all about metabolic health. So maybe, you know, you can order labs from our app and it's all there and integrated in the app. You know, right now we're working on better ketone integration. So if you're measuring your ketones, it's just sinking into your app. So we really want to get a more holistic view of metabolic health and not just glucose, even though it's very important. We want you to be able to see everything that might be going on. So that's our focus right now. Fantastic stuff. Kara, thank you so much for joining us on Beauty and the Biohacker. Where can people find out more information about how to get a CGM? Yeah, you can just visit our website, NutriSense.io, and you just sign up there, fill out a quick health questionnaire, and then you'll just have your CGM on the way. 
And for listeners of this podcast, we actually have a special discount code to help you guys get started on your health journey with glucose control and uh, and kind of just taking a better bird's eye view on your own health. So you'll find that in the show notes below. And we just are so thrilled to be able to have you on and speak to your ex- expertise on nutrition, nutrition data. And we are so excited to see what NutriSense does next. Thanks so much for having me.